0: season five, and it's been a really long time since we've been together, so Peter Peter COVID Eater, I need to ask you a question. Oh, for crying sake, Tom. (laughs) You not a fan of (laughs) you? It's been like... (laughs)
1: Ten months since we've done this, and that's your new material, Peter. Peter, yeah. <laughs> P-P-C-E? yeah. P P C E. Yeah, that's P-P-P-C-E. all right. Hey, all you right. want to land on this? If this is what you want to bring the people, that's what all I right.
0: I don't just the all season right. ends. <laughs> 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 the tune has been "What's that's About?" Bye, and then we're never seen or heard from again. Okay, here we go. I need to ask you a question. How are you currently feeling about Dad Body? Mm.
1: No, rough, tough, no, uh, terrible. Really? Yeah. Me too. No, it's fine. It's fine. I feel great.
0: Oh. What do you need? Well, no, I was saying if you're having any body image issues of late, you are not alone, and there's a good chance that those thoughts are directly linked to COVID-19. Let me tell you about uh, it. In October gross. of this year, in the UK, a study published by Professor of Social Psychology Viren Swamy studied 506 men and women and found that body dissatisfaction during the pandemic is running rampant. Um, women across the board have a greater desire for thinness, and men across the board had COVID-19-related anxiety and stress associating with a greater desire for muscularity Mm -hmm. why do you think that's happening do you want me to just tell you or do you want to guess Because we've all stopped showering and we wear sweats all day. (laughs) That might be part of it. Uh, Swami also had some thoughts, if you want me to go ahead. Um, Sure, let's hear what Swami says. Certainly during, uh, quote, certainly during the initial spring lockdown period, our screen time increased, meaning that we are more likely to be exposed to thinner athletic ideals through the media, while decreased physical activity, like you said, may have heightened negative thoughts about weight or shape. This next part is interesting. The study also found that when people are stressed or anxious, they tend to follow gender-typical lines. So, during lockdown, women may have felt under greater pressure to conform to traditionally feminine roles and norms, leading to a greater desire for thinness. As for men, quote, similarly, given that masculinity typically emphasizes the value of toughness, self-reliance, and the pursuit of status, COVID-19-related stress and anxiety may be leading men to place greater value on the emotional, importance of being muscular so it's not that we're all just garbage people it's that we're looking at media and the media is telling us we're garbage people and you just and we need to get more thin while also gaining muscle do you have any thoughts pete
1: well i just would like to amend that it's not just that we're all garbage people i think that's important to note oh across the board we're garbage people. <laughs> we're, garbage people. we're garbage we are people. all garbage people yeah yeah, yeah. no and when if you have learned that, anything when, from this whole experience we're garbage people. Exactly. And so and,
0: yeah, I think that that's if you are wanting to lose weight or if you're wanting to get more muscular, you could just blame it on COVID while you sit yeah. and eat Skittles or something like that. I've been <laughs> That's why i personally have been deadlift deadlifting my dog Foster. Deadlifting is that a okay? thing? Yeah. Cuz I want to become a real strong boy so I can punch COVID in the face. <laughs> your your
1: dog weighs like 35 pounds, man. I'm not sure you're going to get there. From here. Oh,
0: so strong. <laughs> so strong. <laughs> Freedom So fresh, so new Freedom It's all for you. Keep all for you. Freedom. Keep your ears to the ground. We're talking about freedom. It's the freedom. Welcome back to What's That Smell? A sometimes funny podcast about humans and their anxieties. I'm Tommy Metz the Third, And I'm Pete Wright. And every week we each drag one of our deepest, darkest anxieties into the light to share it, learn about it, and hopefully laugh about it with all of you. Hopefully. Hey, everybody. It's been a long time, but it's time for you to get back in motion with us. Reach out. Send us the story of your anxieties to something stinky at whatsthatsmell.net. Again, something stinky at What's that smell.net, you can be as anonymous as you want, and we will talk and learn about your anxiety and hopefully solve all of the world's problems. Pete? Sound good? You had me at something stinky. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> all right. Well, even though this has already gone off the rails with that, I'll go first. For this opening week, I would like to tell you a very brief but very harrowing story. Are you ready? <laughs> Spooky times. We just missed the spookiest
1: times. We just was missed this is this Christmas. is sp- well, like maybe, Christmas
0: horror? Maybe, holiday horror? Maybe this will give you a little shiver in your shivers. What? This happened to me a week and a half ago, um, and this is true, unfortunately. I was uh, in my bedroom, curled up with my dog, Foster, and I was reading a graphic novel because I'm single and I'm going to die alone. And Foster got up and stretched and made this weird kind of robot noise. Like he was stretching and he went, mm <laughs> mm Like it was a real good stretch or something? This isn't a dog story. And I said to him, hey, weirdo, have you been a puppy robot this whole time? And he looked at me completely blankly, like usual. So I started making his ears flop and his paws move while going, beep, boop, beep, boop, robot dog. (laughs) Classic me stuff. And then that led to me singing, puppy machine, he's a puppy machine. Put another nickel in the puppy machine. (laughs) And I'm dead. So, and he thinks it's a game. So he's kind of running around a little bit. Then I realized I was thirsty. So I walked out into my living room towards my kitchen, singing very loudly, put another nickel in the puppy machine. And when I turned the corner into my kitchen, I remembered there was a man in there fixing my sink. Let me break this down. <laughs> About 45 minutes earlier, I had let oh Hey Zeus, who is our apartment building's handyman, into my apartment all masked up of course, because my <laughs> sink was having problems. He went to work, I went into my bedroom to read and it took me 45 minutes to completely forget that there was someone in my apartment. So he heard me in the I other can't, room. You have moved on. And it's so fast. Dad. <laughs> I'm so not there. Oh, I'm sorry. Because of puppy machine. And oh, and why does it take could nickels? Oh, put another nickel in puppy machine. I'm sorry. And then there's a guy. <laughs> yeah, he, and he's just straight up right there. Oh god. Um, yes, yeah, so and he heard me. He heard all of that. And then it started. He heard it loudly in the other room and then loudly start to come closer. <sighs> So oh my God. Needless to say, I was fairly mortified, not of the quality of the song. I think we can both agree just, the song is No, kind of-, of
1: course, naturally. No, it's, all of your works are genius. A, but just put box. yourself, yeah. uh, just put yourself a little bit like seven or eight hours later, and Jesus is sitting around the table with his <laughs> family. <laughs> And his wife, for a child, says, well, what was the best part of your day today? <laughs>
0: <laughs> and then he gets to tell the, he gets to tell the story, story about, about the, the puppy machine. The puppy machine guy. <laughs> 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 oh, well, I'm glad that we agreed oh, that the God. song is great. It's a bop. This is the, such a the win. The Yeah. Uh, but, With a bullet. But it was supposed to be for me and my dog only, of course. And that's... An example of me, like, confusing myself alone versus myself in public? I'd let him in 40 minutes earlier because I'm so used to being alone, I did something I would never do outside of my apartment. It's the equivalent of accidentally loudly burping during a dinner with your coworkers, because you sometimes do it at home. Pete, here's my anxiety. For week number one, after 10 or so months of living alone during a pandemic, do I still know how to act like a normal human <laughs> being? <laughs>
1: Well, I, I so I feel like some of your logic might be might be pandemic confused because you just talked about how you would never do this thing in public on a podcast <laughs>
0: on a live stream. This is exactly what that I'm is, talking about. I don't know <laughs> what is what should be private <laughs> anymore. I just have one speed and it's go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. go uh, back to bed with your dog it
1: is uh no i totally i I totally get that but i don't think you're alone uh because i don't live alone i live with uh people three other people whose context changes so much throughout the day Mm. that they might as well be jesus fixing the plumber during the day or fixing the plumbing during the day like really well because we all go into our different corners of the house right i have a college student who's up in her room doing collegey things and i have a high school student doing high schooly things in his room and i have my wife who's doing speech pathology things up in her office space and i am in my office space doing podcasty things and then you know at Eleven o'clock or so, we'll all meet at the water cooler. And hi, how you doing? Good. <laughs> mm. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Good. Good dinner last night. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Did you see the latest episode of you know whatever? And that is, it's very strange because it it starts to feel like you are. Even though these are my, they're my family and I've been living just with them for the last ten months, yeah. they feel like during the day, they feel like like that to me. They're kind of like we're just chips in the night. Behavior goes into daytime mode, and then we switch to nighttime mode and everything's <laughs> different. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and then the beat drops all day and then the beat drops. And then
0: well, that's interesting. I guess I I wrongly would assume maybe it's because so many of my friends have so much younger, younger children that yes. there's not like, go do your life. Because I've always yes. just assumed that it's like almost like a pressure cooker. I don't know how people do it for all of my slight complaints about sometimes feeling a little bit lonely or something or not having anyone to hug. I'm also pretty glad I'm not incubating with someone especially like a room yeah
1: um well there is and there is really something to just the experience of having day after day no private space like no quiet like what we're used to when school was a thing there would be long stretches where you'd have Time to be alone, time to hear the silence of the house, time to hear. We have none of that anymore. There's always a Zoom call going, there's always someone else's voices around me, like it's always happening. So, you know, uh, no one else has gotten sick and we're all doing fine and I am healthy and all of that is great now, but also the house gets a little bit smaller every day. I can only imagine, yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, don't you feel that? Like, doesn't Foster start to seem a little bit bigger every day in the space? You mean
0: (laughs) the puppy machine? Yeah, I've, just, I've hidden all the nickels. If I need you, put a. If you I need some time nickels to and he's
1: like Scrappy Doo, yeah. and he's suddenly the size of the entire complex.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, that's it's. I didn't think that I would be alone, but it, it is interesting that that still manifests, even if you have people around. Yeah, continuously because what I'm worried about, like I'm worried about my blind spots socially. Like I'm worried. That my sense of humor is becoming dulled. I'm worried that I will be like in the produce aisle of Kroger's and immediately just be like, Poppy, because I'm just so used to like my own nonsense. And I've realized that this is manifested in a few big annoying ways. Actually, one big one is I'm desperate to spend time with my friends, be it like in a social distant backyard or more likely Zoom rooms. Uh, We have Mm -hmm. game nights, movies, all that kind of stuff. And the time we spend together is super hydrating to me. But I find, I'm finding that I am consistently nervous now in the time leading up to the meetup with my friends. And I haven't been able to figure it out. And then I think the closest thing that I compare it to is it's like performance anxiety and i've never totally. had that with these people on and, right. and just on a recent zoom room game night with my friends which we hadn't done as game or zoom room in a long time i realized accidentally i was hosting the room when we started i was jumping around because you asking were, you participants were first oh you were doing a
1: little uh, you were do- dean Martin. i was yeah, de- yeah
0: i mean cuz i i had initiated the zoom it was my jackbox game but still i was like jumping around asking them about their thanksgiving experiences as they came in weirdly terrified about any potential silences like all of those old social anxiety things have come back sometimes i identify what i was doing and calm down but that was really my initial primal urge can you do you have any of that kind of performative or anxiety about normal things part of it is magnified
1: because there's so much question about how, how people even close friends are dealing with Um, you know, their relationship with the pandemic, like how seriously they're taking the lockdowns. Are they traveling? How, what are their bubbles doing? Um, you know, we, we run into this all the time where we start thinking about like, we have traditions that involve people that we, we think we know very, very well, Mm And then to have this sort of anxiety about, but are they living the same way through the pandemic that I am? I don't know how to talk to them about this, right? I don't know. All I want to do is hug somebody, right? right? I really want to see, like, in the flesh, faces that I don't live with right now, love them, (laughs) but need to be able to hug somebody else. right? And so, like, that's where, when we start to think about, like, what is that? What does that look like? How do you handle reintegrating with, you know, formerly like, established habits and norms and having no idea how to do it? Like, yeah. I've, for- I've forgotten how to do it, and I don't know how to set up rules to keep everybody in my bubble safe while we're starting to explore any sort of broader world and right now i mean we're not in any danger of exploring any broader world right. we're not traveling this is For we're not the doing future. Any that right yeah but i start to think about you know next summer what does next summer look like i mean i start to think about new year's eve like we have long-standing new year's eve plans that have been thwarted now right just because our favorite restaurant isn't opening right yeah. like it's it's like what I, I don't know how to have those conversations yet and it it does i absolutely with you it's terrifying
0: so burger kings haven't reopened i assume (laughs) that's a real
1: riot yeah you're great you're You're a riot
0: (laughs) well i really hit a nerve
1: nobody makes fun of the king (laughs) (laughs) no but because i I really think i think this is really something like i I feel like okay can i just can i tell you something you were involved in this and i need to out Out my anxiety. Oh no! You, you and I are on another podcast, uh, and occasionally cross paths on that podcast. It is the Next Real Film Podcast. Correct. You're you're familiar with it. (laughs) Yes. So we were doing a show and a live stream on Hillbilly Elegy. The other night, uh, and uh, movie was not great, (laughs) but the show I think was fine until this moment where I'm thinking I'm being all witty and I tell a story that I have told apparently numerous times on other podcasts and to everybody who was on that show, and when I tell the story, I've told it on this damn show, right? (laughs) And I tell the story and everybody in turn reminds me of when i last told them this story as if i have (laughs) only one story and it's the story i tell all the time and i'm not kidding i've carried this weight around in my heart that i'm old one story pete for (laughs) uh, the last five or six six days (laughs) he's just got Do you know what I'm saying? Like sure. that is That to me is an example of what you're talking about. It's the, I guess I don't know how to live with people. And I'm just so excited to see people that I'll grab the first thread that comes into my mind. Well, and, and
0: also like there's that worry of, I don't have uh, as many things to talk about. There's just yeah. not as many things. If I wasn't an idiot singing puppy machine, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have a thing here. So luckily I'm just dumb enough to fall into my own noose on a daily basis. But no, there's just not that much going on. And so that really brings up my potential worry about awkward silences. Yes. Which I still yeah. which I have not my that anxiety has not abated. If anything, it has increased. Oh.
1: So ha- yeah, like I I just imagine, because there are so few stories, like any fantasy of hanging out with close friends in real life, it's just the idea that I'm not going to have anything to say that leads to... Awkward silences right. and a lot of crazy, 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 like the fantasy <laughs> always turns into a nightmare. It doesn't, there is no happy ending where uh, I'm, I'm suddenly a proficient Toastmaster and I've come up with a way to spin the last 10 months into a yarn that is entrancing. It's just me being dumb. Or telling my favorite story from a year, like
0: 10 years ago. Is it too late? First, is it too late to change the name of this podcast to Entrancing Yarn? Because that's wonderful. (laughs) And I'm not joking. I love that. And also, no, because especially if if you are, because that's performative that's performance yes. if you start thinking about your performance quote unquote in front of friends then you're looking at yourself which means you're disengaged which then leads to the silences which then can lead to spiraling because all you're doing is saying instead of thinking of something to say you're just going silent, silence 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 and screaming it at your head it's a nightmare yeah, I don't like totally. it it's a nightmare no but I did find you something. you know what let's oh. just stay home 100% <laughs> I'll tell the king uh, to. Yeah, to right. You'll meet him out front. <laughs> um, I did there. Well, of course, as is the constant refrain of this podcast, we are not alone at all. There is an enormous amount of ongoing research about COVID-19 right now, and things are just starting to come out now. One of the—this isn't really research, but I found this one article in the New York Times that actually—it had like five or six different things, but I'd like to point out just three of them, because I have found them sort of helpful. Uh, May I share this with you, Peter. Oh, I, I live for this. It is written by clinical psychologist Jenny Tates. Uh, she wrote this just in November. Oh, is it? No. Yeah, just in November. Um, addressing this very issue that many of her clients, who are normally more extroverted, which is how I would describe myself. I'm not one of her clients. I mean extroverted. Feel anticipatory anxiety before meeting up with people, virtually or otherwise. Here are three. She suggests focusing on approaching what you can do to feel more at ease. So that means taking advantage of it ahead of time. For me, when I realized I was, quote-unquote, hosting that Zoom room, I said... For me, it's about bringing people in. I've really learned mm-hmm. over the last couple of years that keeping my anxiety to myself is a disaster. Over the last couple of years, how many years have we been doing this <laughs> podcast? Since Tuesday, no, I mean, for like <laughs> in this la- latter part of my life, I've learned that keeping things bottled up is a disaster for me. I'm not saying this is right for everyone, but I pointed out, what I'm saying is, I pointed out, this to them, oh, I feel like I'm hosting this. And uh, actually, fellow... Um, uh, the Next Real podcaster, our friend JJ, was on it, uh, Justin Yeager. And he said, oh, you're absolutely hosting it. <laughs> like he noticed what I was doing. And so I just sort of said it out loud. And then I explained, oh, I'm just sort of feeling a little amped up or a little anxious. I'm sorry. Um, and then things really went back to normal. Thus, getting mm-hmm. out of my own head. And so you, for other people, it can be... Just yeah, I think just addressing everyone is in the same situation for the most part. Everyone is feeling this kind of anxiety, so feel free to address it. I would think because yeah. then you don't feel I, I, alone. Yeah. Uh,
1: putting putting a name to the pain, right? Ooh. Right, calling it out
0: loud. Exactly. Oh, entrancing yarn. Uh, Number two, (laughs) I'm just going to keep saying that every once in a while. Uh, Number two, notice and swap out your negative filter. She used a bunch of words, but pretty much what she means is don't be so hard on yourself or assume that you're uninteresting or awkward. Don't go into there saying, like, for instance, I have nothing to say. I'm not interesting. I'm not funny. Because then it just becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. She says, quote, Social anxiety is largely driven by the perception that others hold exceptionally high expectations for us. And that, of course, is not true. It's like the old adage of, if I ever met someone who was as mean to me as I am to myself, I would never be friends with that person. Oh, that's good. So anyways, just be nice to yourself. Remember that the people who we want in our lives will accept us if we accept ourselves. There's, and of course, there's no spotlight on you. Everyone is feeling the same thing. Spotlight, we, we've spotlight, spotlight. we
1: learned that before, that there is, yeah, there's no spotlight. Unless there actually is a spotlight on you, and then you're probably on stage. And then, frankly, you're alone there, too, because theaters are closed. So don't point. worry about it. Yeah, and yeah. you're probably yeah. like,
0: going to go to jail. The yeah, theater is closed.
1: you're there. They want like, come on so. in
0: and stage it up. And how did you get yeah, the keys right. to the spotlight? And what spotlight <laughs> runs on keys? All right. Look, we've got a lot to unpack. She, again, has a whole bunch. You can look it up again. Her name is Jenny Tates, I believe. Yeah, in the New York Times. Um, But this last one really hit as just sort of a button for this whole thing as we started with uh, Puppy Machine. Learn to love your faux pas. Rather than replaying your social mistakes, uh, adopt the mindset that being human and flawed is endearing. And that is one that I was able to do because the Puppy Machine was so absurd that after running into Jesus in my kitchen, I immediately walked back into my room and I think maybe just out of self-preservation had to laugh and shake it off. Because it was so ridiculous, and to just get the stigma out, because I knew that this was something that maybe I would feel like this. I sang one more verse of the Puppy Machine, <laughs> nice, nice and nice and loud. The, the pause, yeah, Puppy, was put puppy, another machine. In the puppy <laughs> machine. I did one more because I was like, it was almost yeah. like exorcising the the nervousness and the shame. That's the Puppy Machine for you. <laughs> I've never been more proud of you. <laughs>
1: Than right now, you are a linguistic scimitar. Right now, <laughs> that you were able to wrap Puppy Machine, the story about a robotic puppy, into faux paws, and I,
0: I didn't love need- it. <laughs> yes, that was all on purpose, <laughs> <laughs> and that's an entrancing yarn. <laughs>
1: You the music! <laughs> On July 1st, 1940, the state of Washington unveiled a beautiful suspension bridge that crossed the Tacoma Narrows Strait of Puget Sound between the city of Tacoma and the Kitsap Peninsula. It took over two years to build, but sadly, only four months to fail. The bridge had been nicknamed Galloping Gertie by construction workers thanks to the extraordinary wobbling that occurred in moderate winds. They opened the bridge anyway, and in spite of attempts to adjust the structure, on November 7, 1940, the bridge broke apart due to aeroelastic flutter. There was only one fatality, this, the story of the last man to drive the bridge, Leonard Coatsworth, then editor of the Tacoma News Tribune, he says. Around me I could hear concrete cracking. I started back to the car to get the dog, but was thrown before I could reach it. The car itself began to slide from side to side on the roadway. I decided the bridge was breaking up and my only hope was to get back to shore. On hands and knees, most of the time, I crawled 500 yards or more to the towers. My breath was coming in gasps. My knees were raw and bleeding. My hands bruised and swollen from gripping the concrete curb. Toward the last, I risked rising to my feet and running a few yards at a time safely back to the toll plaza. I saw the bridge in its final collapse and saw my car plunge into the narrows. Alas, Tubby, the Cocker Spaniel, was lost in the Narrows. Thankfully, with public support, that bridge was rebuilt in 1950 with a new eastbound extension completed in 2007. They are the fifth longest suspension bridge spans in the U.S. and 43rd longest in the world. The public support was as key to the horror show of that bridge as it is to this very podcast. If you don't want to see us succumb to aeroelastic flutter, become a pan. Powell. With a one-time payment of $35, you'll become a valued part of season five. You'll be a part of the team guaranteeing no more ridiculous audiobook recommendations from Tom's shelf. You'll get access to our weekly live stream recording sessions and early access to the show. Plus, you'll get a sticker. Visit what's that smell.net to learn more. Thank you for your support tom i'd like you to make some choices right now are you ready i'm gonna read you i'm gonna give you some options you're gonna you're gonna make a a snap choice snap choice right yep let's go are you ready ready apples or oranges oranges lions or tigers tigers mac or pc mac butter salted or unsalted Uh, unsalted favorite film brazil favorite director
0: david fincher
1: There's a pandemic raging outside your apartment that is reminiscent of 28 Days Later in London. Do you go out for groceries?
0: (laughs) No, not at first. (laughs) I mean, that is sort of happening, and I do go... (sighs) To the grocery store. I
1: mean, you live in Los Angeles and it's not great. <laughs> it's really, really not great. Yeah. Uh and it the only reason that we cannot more aptly demonstrate our empathy is because we are inside screaming uh in our own heads. But that is not what I am here to talk to you about. Okay. What I'm here to ask you, Tom, is making those choices, how do you feel?
0: Uh I- how do I feel? I feel pretty yeah. good about the answers, but I at one I started rocking back and forth a little bit.
1: I saw that. I got my I adrenaline kind
0: of going, and you, you just the speed of it. You said apples or oranges. I think my answer was oh, oranges. <laughs> it couldn't have been a lower stake situation, and yet it made yes. me a little bit shaky.
1: That brings us, Tom, to season
0: five's first
1: listener submission.
0: Oh, fantastic! I know. Oh, it's that's so great.
1: Great. Uh, And here you go. I will uh, now perform it. Okay. Hey, guys. First, love the trailer. (laughs) Thank you. Uh I thought COVID had done you in. Thrilled you're back. It would be amazing if my anxiety made the show. (laughs) Uh, Here you go. Wow. Uh, Over the last year, I've been really struggling with making decisions. I don't think I used to be a person who couldn't make easy choices or make choices easily, question mark, but this year has destroyed me. Eat a meal or not? If so, then what? Do I go outside, pick up groceries, or Instacart them? Do I shower in the morning or put sweats back on? Mm. These are little stupid choices, but I'm starting to notice my shelves going empty because I am not able to just do basic things. Maybe I'm scared to go outside, that would seem obvious, but I'm typing this on my phone right now, and I'm terrified of pressing send. Pulse is racing. Maybe you'll never read this. Time will tell. Maybe, Becca. Becca, you did it, first of all. You pressed send, so congratulations on that. That's huge. Yeah. Uh, And I am thrilled to bring up the uh, subject, once again, of decision-making anxiety. Okay. And... This is something we have talked about before, but it was in an open story that we did some years ago. In fact, it was Season 2, Episode 3. Two episode three. Do you remember that hit? No. Um, not sure that that hit episode.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know which, which one. What were what we talking about?
1: I think it was the it was the case of the cardiac doodler was the episode, and in the beginning we right. introduced the caudate nucleus, and there was a, a a fantastic bit that you did about the caudate nucleus. Uh, it is the center of the brain. It connects anxiety and pessimism, and the choices, and choices. And we had this great metaphor for. Doing a drive-through at Krispy Kreme, and when they hand you the donuts, they punch you (laughs) in the face.
0: face. I remember that. Yeah,
1: (laughs) yeah, right. So the result there was that we, as human beings, and also as rats, because that's who they study, uh, we focus on what makes us feel less bad when we're making (laughs) hard choices. Okay, right. So we focus less on the cost of the uh or more on the cost of the unpleasant outcome than on the benefit of the reward that we're getting right so how hard will they punch us in the face versus how many donuts are we going to get to eat yeah and and so that was that was then right now pandemic is just nonsense and so that has changed the way our brains are working and so people are studying this like right now what does pandemic anxiety mean for anxious decision makers and are people who are not normally anxious decision makers having a more difficult time thanks to the environment of uncertainty? Mm. So, like, what does that look like? So, wh- what do you think? Do you are you do you struggle with this uh, m- making choices right now? Have you have you put
0: this down in your journal? How it has manifested for me is, which I think is is related. I hope close enough to make this worth bringing up. Well, we're really. Really qualifying sh- all of this, has sailed. yeah, and I just like slowly run out of breath and fall off my chair. <laughs> um, is uh, even as I just brought up in mine uh, segment, um, things that didn't used to make me as nervous make me more nervous now, and as a result, it can be harder to choose to do certain things. The things I wouldn't have okay. worried about before um, sometimes make things a little difficult, which then hits my approach avoidance kind of thing, where I sort of put mm-hmm. things off. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, especially when you think about, like, think about the, the uh, like choice, like overcompensating or, or overwhelming number of choices that you might have in a particular decision. I run into this all the time with things like, okay, well, I know we're going to order some food. Is it going to be uh, it, whatever, Insta, whatever. Is it going to be uh, DoorDash? Is it going to be uh, Uber Eats? Like, I, I will look at all the apps that I installed on my phone, and I'll just stare at them and will not eat as a result. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Dude, like, yeah. that's the kind of thing. Like, I get so stuck in the simplest of choices because my brain has been taken over by nonsense and noise.
0: Oh, so you think is there, there's just too much static in order to fight through to get...
1: Yeah, because what I'm thinking is, gosh, which drivers are more likely to bring me horror?
0: (laughs) (laughs) I see. So even just so you're really pandemicking it in that even basic choices feel weightier. Have the have more potential outcomes or ramifications. That's the word I wanted to use.
1: But uh, Yeah, because of the stories that that right? we tell in our heads, yeah. right? That's why it's one of the reasons I so relate to this. And that's it. So when you think about what it looks like, it's like, well, I could consider that I have too few options. And it's like, all I have is the Uber Eats app. How will I ever get a good deal? Or how <laughs> yeah. will I ever that maybe they don't have my restaurant? I ran into this where DoorDash had the restaurant I wanted to eat in, and I kept ordering and placing the. Order- Order, and the food never came, and I never got a confirmation. And it turns out that was just like an empty entry. They had the menu, and I could order and oh. submit payment. And I called the restaurant, and they're like, "We don't do DoorDash." Like, <laughs> come on! That yeah. th- that like reinforces the nonsense uh, noise. Like now, there's an expectation of failure, and I just don't have it up. So there's considering and a there few options Burger versus King,
0: right. Again, just to make Always sure. the sure. They were like, oh, you the call king. Burger King a restaurant. <laughs> okay, go ahead.
1: Thank God we are member supported this season because no one would sponsor us. <laughs> uh, okay. So then there's overthinking too many options. There's that, that uh, there is another factor that's like terror that comes with asking others for help. Look at how oh. hard it, it seems to be for uh, dear Becca to have actually submitted this question. Right? Um, right. It, it's a challenge. Uh, and 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 this is the the big one that we're talking about more in the uh, quote unquote research. Paralysis of choice leads to other perceived impairments. Oh, right. That perception that your brain is broken in other ways because you can't make choices quickly.
0: Okay. Oh, sure.
1: Right. So it feels like now. Oh, I can't choose apples or oranges. I must be depressed. Right. Uh, Attributing uh, other psychiatric conditions to this one, because this one feels so debilitating when you're in the middle of it.
0: And it seems so if I can't do this simple thing.
1: Yeah. Then what? Then I shouldn't. I I can't do anything. Right. I better put the sweats back on or maybe not even put the sweats on. Maybe I'm just in bed for now. And yeah. I don't know what it'll look like. So, uh, so Luana Marquez is really the protagonist of no, no, no. my whole segment okay. here. She's the president of the Anxiety and Depression Association of America. And she reminds us, anxiety often goes up in any moment when our bodies perceive a real threat. Mm-hmm. We've talked about fight or flight. We've talked about the evolutionary benefits of having that sort of anxious vibe. And uh, here we are, and we are in a sustained oh. period of threat, right? 10 months is so long to be aggravated like that. And that is one of the things, this is one of the potential outcomes, depending on how you're wired.
0: And the threat is so insidious and mysterious. You can't see it, Yeah, anything. We don't know how to solve it yet. You had no fever. You had no right, loss right. of taste. And you had everything else. <laughs> right, All the yeah, other symptoms. Right. Um, Couldn't
1: breathe. Yeah, yeah. It was, it's the worst. Right. And and so that's it. So anxiety goes up and our ability to reason goes down. And we've talked about this before. Anxiety triggers the limbic system in our brains uh, and the limbic system is the emotional uh, center, the center for our re- emotional responses, memory, motivation. We do not reason from there. That would be a disaster. Right. Right. We reason from the prefrontal cortex. Uh, that's where thinking happens. It's the part of your brain, uh, incidentally, that takes uh, 25 years of your life to mature. So if you're in your late teens or early 20s and you're feeling sort of extra at sea, yeah. give yourself a break. Uh, because that's where that's where your ability to reason your way through the emotional responses actually occurs in the prefrontal cortex. And so Marquez says the limbic system and the prefrontal cortex are duking it out right now. and And the experts... Tom, I can't. I just, oh. with this oh. proving that they have a fantastic sense of humor, the experts have defined the experience with a term oh. that would only be better if Liam Neeson were telling us about it right here. See? Amygdala hijacking
0: oh wow right get off my brain <laughs> i have right? a unique
1: set of skills yeah. and uh amygdala hijacking is uh, defines the state when your prefrontal cortex has lost control when it's taken its hands off the wheel and put its foot to the floor Ooh. and you're in full hijack and you are spinning Marquez goes on to say, hey, you know, you might say, if I don't put on a mask right now, I'm going to catch the virus. And if I get the virus, who's going to take care of my kids? Which, of course, makes you more anxious, because at the end of every one of those phrases, you can come up with some other if-then statement. That is worse because right. that's what your uh, uh, that that's what your limbic system does best is tell stories right. <laughs> to you that are lies uh, in and, and in this case not lies right we have a lot of evidence that yeah. that's a real question right. it might not be a real question for you if you take care of yourself but it's out there we have evidence that this is a, there's reason to be scared. Uh, So that that feeling can paralyze your ability to make a choice, she says, with your limbic system in control. You might not like what you settle on anyway because they're emotionally driven. The decisions that you do make may not be your best decisions, right? So now, not only are you not seeing the ability to make a decision, but if you do happen to do it, it's probably crap.
0: Right. No, uh, that... Case in point, I am really allergic to oranges. So I'm regretting that very first choice that I made. Apple all the way. No, I'm not. I can't tell. Are you lying no, to me right now?
1: Because I feel so bad. I just sent you like three dozen oranges for, you know, vitamin C. Yeah. Uh, that's that's kind of what's going on yeah. in, in, in the anxiety thing.
0: So it rem- it I I'm thinking of like an engine that the governor has yeah. taken off and it's just always in the red. Well, I guess you just said that. You already said put the yeah. I thought I was coming up with something cool. But it just seems well, like, it, yeah.
1: It is, and that's uh, that's where I, I get tied up is that because once you start down this road, it's enormously difficult to get off. Right. right when you when you just lose control of your prefrontal cortex and and you start that spinning mode, it is just all propulsion. It's all anxiety stories. begets anxiety. Yeah, and then you right, probably right. start
0: having a fight or flight response to your own response, which then yeah, makes right. you even more
1: yeah to that point. Biochemist mm. beta. Mogato is a chair of the behavioral science department, neuroscience department at uh, the School of Medicine at OHSU, the Oregon Health Sciences University. Mm. Uh, She says the brain is constantly estimating risk. I'm hungry. I'm gonna get up and drive to the pizzeria to grab some pizza, but driving involves risk because you could get into an accident. If you're suffering from anxiety disorders, you might say, No, I'm not going to even risk getting in the car because I just couldn't relax. If you're drunk, then the risk is even higher and it becomes a computation game. Mm. Now we have this in this global environmental concern that amplifies all of those choices. Right. Right. So
0: you're already starting on like level four. Yeah.
1: Right. Wow. So, what do the experts say we should do? Yeah, is there any uh, hope for this? I'll bet. Oh, that you could come up with what they say we should do. Do you want to try? Do you want to try It's like a Family Feud style game.
0: I'm not a gambling man, but yeah, I'll take those odds. All right. All right.
1: Let's let's do it. Let's do it. What do you think? Uh, and it'll be like a survey says kind of a thing. So, got Go it.
0: Ahead. What would experts say we can do? There are four. There are four things. Um, bite yeah. bite size the problem. Medi- <laughs> Damn it. <Yes. laughs> did you know what i meant of don't try to tackle the entire world yourself like reduce it into because if you are saying i want to go i'm hungry and i want to go to the store but then my kids and then my dog and then who will take care of my that you're bringing the entire world you're atlasing it and so if you can just yeah. break it down into smaller pieces maybe that would be a way of well okay no good.
1: one it's good it's a good answer and it comes It comes later by another person. No, it's not this expert. Got it. For that, immediately you are a failure.
0: Okay, I have lost all. Try again. Try again. Try again. Um, Yeah, I don't know. Believe in yourself. Shut up. I don't want to play this (laughs) anymore.
1: This is what uh, Marquez says. Remember our protagonist? She's back, Luana Marquez. She says, It's called charging up the brain. And there are four things you need to do, right? You've got to do these things to build flexibility and regulate emotions, to build in resiliency to negative external stimuli, of which there is a lot right now. Number one is mindfulness. If you aren't meditating and breathing and, 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 developing a practice of yep. slowing yourself down, you should do that. And one of the things that she calls out is something I deal with all the time, which is, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be totally mindful right now. Uh, I've got, got my phone, and what I'm going to do is just put it down on its face, and I'm not going to think about it at all, because I can do that. I'm mindful now. Mm. And then after about 10 seconds, yeah. 15 seconds, I'm like, well, it's just right there. I mean, I need to check the time. Right. <laughs> I better check the time. Is it still and What I'm really doing on? is looking at looking at the latest notifications right. and oh god the new york times i
0: need to get, go I to the new york times Dejected i'm times. doing
1: it right now because the new york times is on my phone right now while i'm podcasting and i was just distracted by them <laughs> because the world is a, just a dumpster fire yeah so that's number one is is a practice of mindfulness where you are able to to take muscle breaks right where you are actively where distanced from in, all of those in, signals
0: into yeah. in, inundated
1: Inundated, right, right, right. Exercise is another one. You don't need high-intensity exercise, she says, but three times a week, 15 to 30 minutes of moderate-intensity exercise does an amazing thing chemically in your body. So get those large muscle groups moving. Uh, Sleep, you gotta sleep. Mm. And people think that they are, you know, they're they're taking it easy because they're working at home. They are sitting on the couch all day, so they don't need rest, but they actually need sleep even more now to keep their brains fired up and diet. Stop eating chips and Twinkies, y'all. Stop it. Comfort food was good for a week or a couple of weekends, and now it's time to eat more fish. Uh, Eat fish and deep greens and stop the snacky stuff, because it's killing your brain, even if you are ignoring the fact that it's destroying your vascular system.
0: And there's a self-esteem feeling of that. There's an emotional uh, part of all of those things, especially, like, the eating, that it gives you, like, a little bit of comfort, probably, and then a little bit of shame, also. Right. Yeah. So, the the last point
1: is, I think, an an interesting one. It sort of relates to what you were talking about. Um, Yeah, I'm sure I've told you this before, because, as you know, I'm a one-trick pony, and I have only two stories. (laughs) Uh, Oh, you have another one? But my uh, my therapist uh, years ago told me, uh, your power ends with your skin right? Anything over which you do not have direct access, you do not get to exert control. You can choose what shirt you want to put on in the morning, but I can't tell you what shirt to put on in the morning. Okay. I don't have control over you. Right. So, uh, you know, when you find yourself stuck in this, like, paralysis of control, right, that a fear of making choices because you fear that which you do not control... mm uh, is it, part of your mindfulness practice really should be, like, relax. Anything, your, your power ends with your skin. friend of the show and uh, fellow podcaster, uh, Dr. Dodge Ray, reminded us of this on his episode of The Change Paradox this week. He said, if it's not your gift, it's not your job. Say it again. If it's not your gift, it's not your job. You control that which you can control huh. and release that which is not. Uh, And it turns out these docs agree. Uh, Marquez says we're in the middle of major uncertainty and a lot of things are out of our control. Rather than try to plan for every possibility, stick with the discomfort for a little while and feel it for a little while. Lynn Bufka is a psychologist and senior director at the American Psychological Association. And she agrees. uh, You might not be able to control whether your employer stays afloat, for example, which is a major source of insecurity right now. Sure. Um, instead, she suggests focusing on things within your power while letting go of the rest. Some things you can say, this is just not a decision I have to make. Your kid's messy bedroom, for example, maybe let that one go mm. during the pandemic. So, so there you go. I, there, I, I think there's a lot in here around like, being able to free yourself from the burden right. of impossible choices, choices about which you have no control. And that might give you a little bit more bandwidth to make the easy ones quickly.
0: And also acceptance, an acknowledgement that there is a reason for this. You're not going crazy. Your brain is in the red. Yeah. And and if it's constantly in the the red, red, then that's a lot of, like you said earlier, static. Or I said, we don't, we'll never know. I remember I guessed mindfulness, (laughs) so I got that right. If you go back and listen to this episode. (laughs) so
1: Also, also there was something about chunking. Yeah. Atlas. (laughs) Yeah, we moved on. Don't worry about
0: it bite-sizing how dare you chunking um no i think that makes a lot of sense and i hope that at the very least becca can take a little bit of solace in that she is clearly not alone and that we are learning a lot about this as we're going
1: so thank you becca for writing thank Thank you. you for being our first submission for season five uh we love you you're amazing and the only choice you have to make is whether or not to press play on the next episode of oh, what's that smell? You did great. What? That was a good thanks. Great. Thanks.
0: Thank you all so much for joining us for this episode. This week's tune is Freedom by the Originals. I'm Pete Wright. And I'm Tommy Metz the third. Thank you for downloading. We'll be back next week on what's that smell? you Really leaned into that. What's that smell? Yeah, you did. You saw a little spin on it, a little stain. What's that smell? That's what the robot puppy would say. (laughs) A bark, 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 bark. (laughs) I like sticks.